0: Governor Scott Walker narrowly lost his bid for a third term. But the man who led the Republican revolution in the Badger State and beyond leaves a lasting legacy of significant conservative free market wins. MacGyver News Service brings you conversations with the people who worked alongside or served the governor during some of the most tumultuous days in Wisconsin history. From the massive protests that marked Walker's signature legislation, the Act 10 collective bargaining reforms, to the mega once-in-a-lifetime Foxconn economic development deal, Governor Scott Walker made his mark on Wisconsin policy and politics. The people who know him best share their stories about these times of impact, the Walker years, on *MacGyver* newsmakers. Well, I've said it before. It's uh, however you slice it, it's been a remarkable eight years in uh, politics in Wisconsin, particularly for conservatives in this state. Some extremely significant wins. If you take a look at what's happened over the last eight years in this country, compare that to what's happened the last eight years in the state of Wisconsin, it's no comparison the sort of reforms that Governor Scott Walker has uh, promoted and this legislature, Republican-controlled legislature, has moved through. Is that all over? Well, certainly going to slow down, that's for sure, with the loss at the polls of Governor Scott Walker after two remarkable terms Um, A gentleman who was on the ground uh, throughout this entire process taking the uh, temperature of conservatives across the state is Eric Bott, who is executive director of Americans for Prosperity Wisconsin. He joins us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. Good morning, sir. Uh, I think I might be selling it short by calling it remarkable. What do you think, uh, your thoughts, your first impressions on the last eight years in the state of Wisconsin? It's been stunning. Uh, you look at it from
1: just about any regard in terms of public policy, and we've seen a transformation here that I don't think is comparable to anything in any other state in this country over the last decade. You look at uh, on, from the from a regulatory perspective. Ten years ago, Wisconsin was viewed as the California of the Midwest. In virtually every regard, we – Overregulated our industries in the state far beyond what the federal government required, far beyond what any of our neighboring states did. And it cost us jobs, it cost us wage growth, it cost us benefits for our employees. And it meant that for a large segment of the businesses in our economy, they would never even consider locating or expanding in Wisconsin. You look at it from a fiscal prudence or good budgeting standpoint we have to remember, we didn't have balanced budgets. We had huge deficits, not just the last uh, couple of years of the Doyle administration when we faced the national economic downturn, but every budget cycle under Jim Doyle. Going back really to Tommy Thompson, Mm -hmm. we had just revolved from budget crisis to budget crisis to budget crisis. And the, the, the Democrat administration's before Governor Walker tried to address those by raising taxes and fees and increasing government spending dramatically, Walker took a different approach. And we've seen that the approach of reform and of tax cuts and of pro-growth policies that grew our revenues and grew our economy actually worked. We've been able to cut taxes, and yet we continually have budget surpluses every budget. That's a radical change for the state. Um, you add on the pension reforms and where we stand as a state in the best position of any state in America in terms of pension solvency, a wonky but critically important issue, an issue that site selectors and businesses actually look at because it's a good way to foreshadow what future tax increases might be on the horizon. Uh, it's, It's hard to look at any major segment of public policy and not
0: see that we've improved substantially. No no doubt about it. Um, We focused a lot on Act 10. Obviously, that uh, will be looked at as the signature achievement. But there's so many achievements. I want to take you back to 2011. And sure, Act 10, absolutely. It changed the dynamic, not just in the state of Wisconsin, but the dynamic of power across the country. And what it showed more than anything is that you could be a conservative, you could take on big labor, and you could still win at the polls, of course, after the Bitter partisan recalls launched by big labor in this state in 2011 and 2012, but beyond that, the first six months of 2011, nothing short of incredible. Think about all that was accomplished in terms of fixing that damaged budget, filling that budget hole that we looked at. And as we talk about a six billion dollar structural problem, I don't know. I, I don't know if that number is. Actual, I do know that at the time it looked like between a three and a four billion dollar budget uh, shortfall, and that's not hyperbole. That's what was happening. Uh, but take a look at the regulatory reform. How they started. Let's go back to 2011, uh, and and your thoughts on just the pace and the big picture legislation that was going on. Right. So a
1: lot of this got lost in the shuffle. But mm-hmm. while the Capitol was under siege. Uh, and tens of thousands of angry protesters were there threatening our lives, spitting on us, harassing us, trying to intimidate us into uh, halting progress on collective bargaining reform, the legislature didn't quit working. Uh, There were a a multitude of very important reforms uh, that were advanced in those first months of the Walker administration. The two that come to mind as the most significant to me are Act 21, which was his first quintessential regulatory reform. In a nutshell, it said, the bureaucracy doesn't get to just write laws anymore in Wisconsin. They don't get to do whatever they, they please. They have to have explicit and expressed authority from the legislature to, to create rules which are in effect laws. This was a radical sea change for Wisconsin, which for decades, as I had mentioned earlier, we had a reputation in this state uh, and a national reputation of being hostile to business, of having a regulatory uh, environment, particularly on, uh, from the DNR, uh, from the Department of Revenue, uh, in addition, that was just hostile to business. Mm-hmm. We, Our bureaucrats did not want employers here. We chased them away. And that began to change with Act 21, where no longer could the bureaucracy run amok. They actually had to have authority from the people, from elected officials. And that was a big change. And, of course, that 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 carried on each uh, legislative session. Governor Walker and the legislature built on that, culminating with the, the passage and signing of the RAINS Act in 2017, the first of its kind anywhere in the country. Uh, And that is going to be viewed, I think, by conservatives as perhaps the wisest of reforms uh, that Walker uh, enacted in his final years because it really ties the hands of the Evers administration. Tony Evers is going to have a terribly difficult time doing all the uh, progressive things that he promised to do because the RAINS
0: Act limits the ability of his bureaucracy to act. That's a very good point. I want to hold that thought because the RAINS Act gives – I mean, it, it does exactly what it says. RAINS stands for, uh, and I'm, try, I'm trying to think of things. it's a huge acronym, regulatory. Regulations regulation. from the executive right. in need of scrutiny. That's right. It's, it's a huge acronym, uh, but it, it does what it says. And this is what's interesting to me about it, Eric, is that we have been hearing for the last several days about an extraordinary session where a Republican-controlled legislature is going to meet, and according to the narrative from the left and from the Democrats, oh, they're going to try to take power away from the executive, more so. They're going to try to take power away from our guy, our liberal governor-elect Tony Evers. Walker already conceded power in this last uh, legislative session. This has already been done. The RAINS Act is the governor saying, no, the legislature should have more authority in the uh, the power of the purse. That's exactly what it is. It's a, the power to create administrative rules, the power to regulate,
1: is a legislative function. It is a power that the legislature cedes to the executive branch. Under our system of separation of powers, that is how our government is intended to work. And I think it's widely acknowledged, left and right and center, that both our legislature in the state and Congress has ceded far too much authority to the executive over time. And it is time to pull some of that back to have more direct control over our government uh, to the people. And the RAINS Act jo- does just that, and there is there is still more yet to do. I think uh, what could potentially be a coup de grace for Governor Walker on the regulatory reform standpoint would be uh, to use this extraordinary session to take the next step, and that would be to adopt some some common-sense reforms on regulatory guidance documents and to reform, sue, and settle practices in the state. there was legisl- there's, there's a lot of good that Walker did from um, an executive order standpoint to tie these things up. They haven't really been problems. Uh, we've seen an improvement in transparency, in openness of government, in accountability of government. But there's nothing stopping Tony Evers to going back to the way that Jim Doyle operated, where regulations through guidance documents were kept secret, that businesses only found out about them when they were in trouble, Uh, And that creates uncertainty, that creates a a concern about investing in Wisconsin, and it's simply just not fair. It's bad government. And so there is talk of potentially looking at those issues in this extraordinary session. I think it makes sense. It's really a matter of codifying the best good government practices we saw from the Walker administration. Uh, And I'd love to see that moving forward. Uh, there's, There's certainly more they could look to do, but... Uh, I think it's important to think back how bad things were 8, 9, 10 years ago, um, how the bureaucracy did not function properly, was not really open, didn't communicate with the public very well, wasn't customer service focused, and how that has changed as well. The bureaucracy really has shifted. It's not perfect, but it has improved uh, by orders of magnitude. Under Governor Walker, and and there's things the legislature should do to sort
0: of lock in some of those gains. Eric Bott joins us, Americans for Prosperity, uh, Wisconsin Executive Director. Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about what potentially could happen in this extraordinary session. You mentioned, the, you know, the, the whole guidance area, and uh, the problem of uncertainty and the issues where we have. Uh, the potential for a Tony Evers, who has certainly made a lot of pledges and promises on the campaign trail. We'll see what actually materializes, but this is a, a governor who wants to walk back the sort of regulatory reforms. I mean, is it possible through his administrative authority, that we could be heading back to the days when the environmentalist came crashing the gates of Madison and said, you know, business X is bad, you better do something about it, and instead of going through the whole battle, the bureau- bureaucrats just conceded they gave up, and uh, it, it created a big problem for the business, ultimately job creation, the economy in Wisconsin. I certainly think he's going to try.
1: That Those are the rumors you hear around Madison these days, that they're going to go big on a very radical far-left environmental policy. The, the days of, of trying to advance um, climate change regulations that drive up our energy bills and, and hurt our industry without really improving the environment are probably back. It's going to be difficult, though. The Reins Act in particular makes it almost impossible for an Evers administration to advance those types of impactful regulations without approval of the legislature. And with uh, the conservative, large conservative majorities we have, that's not going to fly. They're not mm-hmm. going to pass bills. So they're going to have one other avenue to, to, pr- to proceed on, and that's the courts. And uh, particularly with having an, an attorney general uh, as progressive as Josh Call appears to be, that may be an avenue that they can pursue. Uh, and so watch out for things like sue and settle. This is something that was rampant uh, when Jim Doyle was, was governor, where you would have environmental groups like Midwest Environmental Advocates or the uh, League of Conservation Voters suing uh, utilities in Dane County Circuit Court and then cutting a deal with the utility to uh, in, in, in put in all sorts of new costly environmental controls that weren't even necessary uh, from an environmental protection standpoint but cost a huge heap of money, and then the utility could go, then go through rate recovery and recoup all the costs plus a 12% profit. Watch for that sort of thing to happen. It's one reason I, I would recommend that the legislature look at sue-and-settle reform as one of the top priorities in this extraordinary session. That That is the best and perhaps only avenue that an Evers administration may have to enact radical new environmental regulations that crush our economy, and they have the opportunity to to at least tighten things up
0: and and make that more difficult if they act in the coming weeks. Mm, we got to be watching that for sure. Eric Baude, Americans for Prosperity, joining us. I want to uh, take you back to a, a comment you made uh, a while back, talking about uh, saying to the bureaucrats, Governor Walker, saying to the bureaucrats, "No, you." are to administer. You're not here to create the law. That's the legislative function. And that was established early on. And that happened basically throughout, except for one area in particular. That was what was called the Government Accountability Board. And I would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that there were a number of obstacles in getting reform accomplished. One of the biggest, the John Doe investigations Some of the darkest days in Wisconsin history uh, and how many conservatives were swept up in this witch hunt that was the GAB, Milwaukee County District Attorney focused uh, John Doe investigation, obviously into Governor Walker, his campaign, but just about every conservative group here. Do you find it remarkable that governance basically continued, and uh, not just governance, but still reform-minded governance, ambitious agendas were able to continue, despite this uh, abusive investigation that took up so so much time in the state? It did, and, and I mean, it's quite quite remarkable. The legislature
1: came out of that with the courage to actually reform the John Doe laws, and right. eliminate the government accountability board. And, and really improve our campaign finance laws to, to avoid future abuses. I, th- I think I, I, I would attribute a lot of that courage to the galvanization of the conservative uh, Republican caucuses in the legislature during Act 10. I worked at that period of time for the Assembly Speaker, and we had um, a number of very deeply emotional uh, caucuses when we were under siege in the Capitol where we came together as a, as a unit, as a team, and as a family. And a lot of that energy and those relationships carried forward over the coming years. And suddenly things that were felt impossible all of a sudden seemed possible. And I think that sense grew even stronger once the legislature took on big third rail items like right to work or prevailing wage repeal, issues that people for decades had said Wisconsin would never ever address that legislators of either party would never have the courage to take on the unions in such a way um, to take on some of the big corporations who, who supported those policies who benefited from those policies and yet they did and so once I, I just saw uh, act 10 was the catalyst and and right to work and some of these other issues were the fuel that, that continued to fuel that fire and then suddenly things like eliminating an entire government agency like the GAB uh, an agency that regulates these legislators that they that that legislators are rightfully fearful of um, could be eliminated. And then to keep going, to do things like the RAINS Act, where in in, in a sense, the legislature is taking on more accountability and making themselves more vulnerable to difficult political votes. Politicians hate to do that. They never want to do that. But here in Wisconsin, they did it. Um, It all goes back to Act 10 as the catalyst, but it has continued. And and like I said, a lot of issues that once seemed completely impossible to, to address in Wisconsin they're now quite possible, and and thankfully the legislature's gotten
0: a lot of them done. So then finally, what is in your mind the legacy of Governor Scott Walker these past eight years? He said it at the uh, uh, Capitol uh, Presser uh, this week, said uh, reform. I mean, he didn't have to think about it. The reforms that uh, his administration and the Republicans in the legislature not only uh, pushed forward, but passed and signed into law. Um, but as you think back over the tumultuous eight years that we've just experienced, what do you think is Governor Scott Walker's, what will his legacy ultimately be, and what's next for the conservative movement post-Walker? So two comments
1: on, in terms of legacy. One, obviously, it's, it, it, he has a national, he, is, he will have a lasting national impact on worker freedom in this country. What happened with Scott Walker in Act 10 served as a catalyst for a national movement. We saw Michigan, the home of the United Auto Workers, becoming a right to work state shortly thereafter. Now we have Missouri. We have Kentucky. We have half of the counties just about in New Mexico. Uh, it is The progress has not stalled. It's only picking up pace. And we are seeing um, a, an increase in worker freedom around the country that started here in Wisconsin, and that was sparked by by what we did here. Um, number two, I think it's a legacy, at least within this state, of demonstrating that pro-growth policies work. If you are the type of person that's of the mindset that government ought to be taking care of everybody, that we ought to have a large social safety net of healthcare services, of welfare services, um, that government should be the driving force between our education, if you're of that mindset, then you ought to support the types of pro-growth economic policies of Governor Walker. Because what he demonstrated over eight years was that by enacting tax cuts and regulatory relief and tort reform, you can actually grow an economy to such a point that state revenues fly off the charts. And at that point, you can invest in these social services that uh, many folks on the left care about so deeply. It it shows that our way of thinking, the free market uh, outlook, the pro-growth outlook actually does work. And so I think those two things are very, very important um, in terms of what's next for the conservative movement here in Wisconsin. They're going to have to make a choice. We're all going to have to make a choice. We have a scene. Not, not, it's, it's not all been um, roses, right, with Governor Walker. There have been some some problems. And the biggest challenge right now is a question of whether or not um, conservatives in Wisconsin will continue down this road of corporate welfare. They have gotten very comfortable with picking winners and losers, with giving huge financial advantages uh,
0: on the taxpayers' back, out well, to companies. Well, Re- I would say Republicans, Republicans have, have, not necessarily conservatives. And but, I think that you, you raise a good point. Right. There are a number of conservatives who raise some very serious concerns about um, – and it's not just something that's happened in the last year. This is something that has been – uh, a concern throughout the last eight years in right. the state right and so
1: and it's not just financial incentives but it's things it's it's the, the regulatory corporate welfare mm-hmm. uh, things like we see in the, the world of alcohol regulation where you know organizations like the tavern league or the distributors seek seek advantages to seek to try to harm their competitors by using government those are threats to the free market those are threats to our economy and to, to count the small businesses across the state and um, not all but some Republicans have really embraced. That course of action, and so I think as a conservative movement, we are going to be faced with a decision here of is that something we're comfortable with? Will we embrace corporate welfare? Will we embrace government hurting uh, small businesses to help large corporations, or are we going to fight back? Um, So that is the challenge I see for Republicans, you know, in, in Wisconsin in the coming years.
0: As I said, remarkable times indeed, and uh, the future awaits, of course. But I think what has been accomplished in the past will have much to say about what transpires in the future. Eric Bott, uh, Americans for Prosperity, Wisconsin Executive Director. Thanks, as always, uh, for joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers.